0: Thank you so, so much, Keenan, for hopping on the Towerlands Discord space, extremely excited to host you, extremely excited to learn from you and extremely excited to get to know your story. I think one of the first questions I'd love to ask you is, what was your introduction to crypto, NFTs, blockchain and the world of decentralization?
1: Yeah, and quickly before I start with that, I just wanted to say that the uh... The, the banner you had for this uh, space, absolutely beautiful. It's nice to see, you know, my face. It's very interesting, you know, crypto normally is the, the PFP. Uh, so very nice to see that. Um, so but much. how I got started, um, my very first entry uh, was uh, funny enough, uh, maybe a bit of an embarrassing story, but um, the Dogecoin Genesis event, I think that was late 2013. Uh, so nearing up on nine, 10 years. Uh, that I've been uh, involved in the space. Of course, I was quite young then. You can tell I'm I'm quite young now. Um, So I wasn't really fully committed to it uh, at that point. Uh, Kind of throughout the next couple of years, I was uh, working with some uh, smaller projects, doing moderation, uh, you know, kind of like the lower level commitments uh, to some of these projects, uh, mainly focusing on learning, Um, and then slowly kind of building up, building up, building up, um, uh, working with more projects, uh, and then I became... None, I I removed, I was pseudo-anonymous all of that time, Uh, but this is my first time uh, with a full identity here at DxDao, Uh, and I started DxDao, I think, it must be over a year and a half ago now, Um, it would would be in Christmas of 2021, maybe, or late 2020, rather. Um, So yeah, and then I've been with DxDao for the last year and a half.
0: That's amazing, what inspired you to start DXDAO? Before that, were you contributing to other's DAO? You see how, you saw how exciting and empowering it is and you wanted to start your own?
1: Yeah, I think um, the story of DXDAO for me is interesting because um, the power of a DAO is really the ability to see, see it do it, I like to say, um, where you identify that there is something missing and you can say, hey, I, you know, I can do that. Uh, do you guys want to, You want me to take this over? Um, so DXL for me, I actually was very little in the knowledge of DAOs, uh, was more so in kind of like general DeFi, um, and someone from DXL spotted me. I was like, hey, we need you know what you're doing here at DXL. Um, I popped over and started with like the very basics uh, of what was needed. Uh, it was like, okay, well, when, you know, we need someone to do community management, kind of this communications outlet, um, and then. I think that's where like the power of DAOs really kicked in for me, where it's like the stepping stone of like, oh, hey, this needs to be done and it's not going to get done. So like, it's very relevant to me, I'm going to do it and then building that up, building that up. And now here I am, much later with a larger responsibility pool, uh, you know, I kind of lead our community content efforts. um, And that's all like a stepping stone process. I don't think in a DAO necessarily you can uh, enter and just be this miraculous leader. There's a lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of things to learn, I think.
0: A hundred percent. That's amazing. So you started DXDAO or were you one of like the core people in a team and you guys collectively started it?
1: Yeah, so didn't start DXL, although I'd love to. I think there's some, uh, some old timers here in the audience. Um, basically, DXDAO was formed in uh, mid-2019, I believe, uh, one of the earlier DAOs, uh, of course, after the DAO. Uh, it was spawned by Gnosis and DAO stack. Um, it was kind of put together to to govern, I think, the Dutch X protocol. Uh, so that was like the genesis of the, the DX DAO. Um, but of course, um, it's difficult to kind of coordinate around uh, nothing. Like we had this DAO uh, with reputation, uh, but there wasn't the treasury, there wasn't funds, there wasn't really a discernible goal. Uh, so kind of people were were peeling about and then started to kick off the DX DAO. Um, like, what are we going to do? What is the, our vision uh, moving beyond kind of Dutch X? Uh, did a token launch through a bonding curve, um, I believe that was early 2020, um, and that kind of bootstrapped the treasury uh, and funded it, um, and that of course has been used for runway and developing products, um, and then I guess maybe a bit of time to talk about DXDAO itself because I'm not sure I had a had a good chance, but I think um, DXL we really focus on, um, of course we're DAO, I, I know you guys at, at DAO Lens are, are familiar with the term. Uh, but we're very focused on the DeFi ecosystem, and I guess decentralization is really our, uh, our our deepest value. Uh, true decentralization is what I like to say. Um, I think as long as the technology permits it, um, you know, we have we aim to make everything uh, and have no compromise in the space of decentralization. Uh, you know, when we're forced to use centralized outlets, of course, like Discord is a good example. Um, we're actively aiming to solve it through either grants or through developing a product or something. Um, so that's kind of like our, our primary focus is Decentralize everything, Decentralize X um, And that kind of goes even To our front ends uh, and one of the few things That we think were unique uh, Of course we're seeing projects starting to do it now uh, Which we'll get into in a little bit um, But even our front ends are decentralized All the way from the back end to the front end Of our product stack is decentralized uh, We host our products through IPFS uh, We set our ENS content hash uh, Directly through the DAO uh, So you require an on-chain vote to change the The landing page or um, the front end of the Dapp. Um, and then it's resolved through, you know, a decentralized router, Ethel natively. Um, so we kind of try to do everything completely decentralized. We're focused on DeFi, but I think uh, we're not married to DeFi, if that makes sense. We're kind of open to, yeah. you know, really wherever we can propagate decentralization.
0: That's amazing. I'd love for you to dive deeper into the story of why decentralization matters to you guys deeply. And I would like to start with... DXI recently you know, spoke about how they strongly believe in quote is speech and how they are standing up for decentralized value. That was the first time I heard about the decentralized value term. I would love for you to dive deeper yeah. into that.
1: Yeah, so uh, for those of you not aware, um, very big situation kind of happening in the last week, and I will say... It's like every single week is like a dozen things going on as of late, it feels like. Um, But the big thing in the decentralized space lately is uh, Tornado Cash, a decentralized uh, Ethereum mixer on, um, I guess it's on the Ethereum network, maybe Gnosis chain as well. Um, They were essentially uh, sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury, uh, put on the OFAC blacklist, um, which was interesting. Of course, you can blacklist um, the, the sort contract and like interacting with it. Um, but there has been more interesting developments where, um, kind of, the native countries of the people that committed to the decentralized code, uh, the open source code, of course, uh, they're actually arrested. Of course, um, the reason there isn't a, a stronger stance from our side right now is that it's unclear if it's because they committed to the code, or if it's because you know they were involved in some other way, they were laundering money, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities that we don't fully know the whole story. Uh, but we believe deeply that uh, code is speech. Uh, If you're writing code, um, you know, it's open source code. It's not a crime to do that. Um, In the same way, uh, of course, this is maybe a straw man, but uh, will you arrest uh, the people that produce firearms because there's people that use them in malicious ways, right? Um, Of course, you can use a mixer in a malicious way, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a malicious tool. Uh, And I think there's a very, very strong Important reason to have privacy on the Ethereum network and we're seeing that uh, you know why that's important right now uh, kind of as everything's blowing up. and that's down to the RPC level that's down to like the routers. like everything is a uh, is like a big question mark and it's kind of been a scramble mess the last week or so.
0: It has been and I feel so so sorry to hear that right like this place as amazing as it is as much as leverage and opportunity as it is there's also so many risks involved and that is such a clear example of it how difficult it has been you know for people who are pioneering in this space you know to move forward. just piggybacking off of that question, what is your perspective on people's negative attitude towards crypto, calling it a fad, or even like news is like this? Like, I'm seeing and talking to so many people who DAOs more than anything. NFTs also had that hype where people were in it for the art, in it for the money, in it for the hype. But people who are involved in DAOs seem deeply passionate about the technology and the mission that the DAO is like driven by. So, um, what would your perspective be on people's kind of negative attitude towards this space?
1: I think you actually recapped it pretty well. I think um, the DAO space itself oh. is kind of removed uh, in most part uh, from this kind of hype, uh, crypto bro style of uh, um, you, you know uh, environment. And I think that uh, crypto gets a bad rep uh, from people, especially those less educated in the space, uh, because there's the uh, the vocal minority. Uh, effect of those that are, you know, uh, running these kind of like Ponzi's and running, uh, uh, you know, talking about their coin and shilling it. Um, they're kind of like that vocal minority, and there's a lot of very, very uh, smart and talented people working uh, very deeply in kind of like the actual technology uh, that definitely don't get uh, the drumbeat as much. I would say. Um, so I think my stance is that uh, broadly the world needs to wake or not, not wake up. Sorry, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Um, <laughs> broadly, the world needs to kind of uh, warm up to, um, to crypto. I think it's going to be it's obvious kind of based on what's going on even right now, um, why what we're doing is important, uh, particularly those building out these technologies uh, and moving towards that. Uh, I think the world will start to warm up a little bit on that over time, uh, especially uh, there's an aegis kind of thing where, you know, the older generation that didn't grow up with it maybe is less educated, maybe uh, is more opposed to it. And then you have these people kind of growing up with the technology that start to adopt it. Right. right. Uh, so I think it just needs a time uh, and that will kind of natively phase itself out. I think it's, um, you know, it's important what we're doing. Um, and I think that that will be recognized in time.
0: Definitely. Why I. Are... Why would you say DXDAO is so deeply passionate about decentralized everything? Why is that one of the core values for you guys?
1: Um, I think uh, there's a lot of very good reasons why that's the case. Um, I think the main reason in the way that we want to operate uh, is we're completely open source, so anyone can join and work. Um, And we have the aspect of like immutability. Um, Anyone that's uh, contributing, anyone that's uh, participating, uh, if I were to disappear, DXt should still be able to run, right? Um, if you know the entire current contributor base were to disappear, DXt should still be able to operate, should still be able to you know manage its treasury. So on that side of like the the, the immutability, uh, the ability for um, you know someone to come and take over the reins if there was a problem, I think that's super, super important to us, uh, especially to a DAO. Um, and that kind of trails to um, this kind of like true decentralization that I mad- I, I mentioned earlier. Um, where basically there's a lot of DAOs um, nowadays, um, and I, I think this is improving and we're seeing that uh, kind of happen. There's a lot of DAOs that uh, are effectively mock DAOs, uh, in my perspective. Yeah. Uh, DAOs that will have governance and, like, uh, you know, you can token vote uh, through, say, snapshot, uh, but essentially it's an underlying multi sig executing the transactions. And that's not decentralized because you're relying on a single operator or, you know, a couple of signers to hold true to the Dow. I, I think another way that we're special is everything has been completely on chain from the start. Yeah. Um, you know, we have proposals to do anything. If it's moving funds, if we're signaling, if we're, uh, you know, authorizing something, Um, So that's another very, very important thing to us is that things actually happen on chain uh, and that's what matters to the DAO. Of course, anyone can say, like for right now, I could uh, I could be speaking on behalf of DXDAO, but it it technically doesn't matter because uh, I'd have to authorize something on chain. And that's why I'm being careful with this discussion about Tornado, because we don't know what's happening. And DXDAO hasn't had a formal stance on on that specific (laughs) situation, for example.
0: For sure. Very newbie question, but Um, All of these things are not taught in school, right? About multi-sig wallets, decentralization, how to operate, how to vote, how to be a DAO admin where would you say you learned all of the technicalities of this space to even like dive deeper? I feel like people now looking at Web3 from a distance are feeling intimidated because so it's like such a new world and there's so many new terms, but the people who've deeply been in it are understanding it's not that different. You know, these are things we've done over and over again. This is just a new sort of infrastructure we're doing it in. So where did you learn everything I know?
1: Yeah, I think, um, the way I learned was maybe a bit unique. Uh, I kind of started around when there wasn't really much. Um, you know. As I mentioned, kind of Dogecoin and, and very passively throughout the next couple of years. So I kind of learned the terminology and grew with it. Um, I think there's a lot of good resources nowadays that maybe I'm not completely attuned to. I know Bankless has a pretty good uh, collection of information and kind of uh, that introduction. But like you said, I think uh, there really is this barrier of like the terminology and kind of understanding uh you know like the in what's what's the word not inside joke but uh you know inside terminology i guess (laughs) um that like the community likes to utilize like uh for example um and this can go this can go back like the crypto bro um you know um outside perception where it's like everyone's saying you know wag me wag me gm over and over again (laughs) and if this it doesn't make sense unless you know what you know like what's going on um so i think that's that's kind of like the first barrier is understanding the language um and then from there it's really um It's almost like an individual basis of where you want to focus on Uh, you know for example if you want to learn uh amm infrastructure then it's you're going to take a very different path with someone that's wanting to learn community management for uh you know broad systems right
0: that's amazing yeah i feel like one of the biggest reasons and the biggest like i don't know i can't get the term for it but is curiosity like be curious and pursue those questions because no one came here you know knowing everything I feel like every day like things are evolving and you just have to be curious you just have to be up to date and we're just getting started so there are no experts in this space like everyone is really really beginning no matter how long they've been in the space and just coming off again on that question um, I'd love for you to dive deeper into why are you so passionate about the web3 space what makes you want to pursue a career in it? Not just read about it, not just talk about it, but pursue a career in it. Um, why not AI, why not other areas of tech, why Web3?
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of very good reasons. Uh, one of them, of course, is that I uh, am very passionate about financial instruments um, and kind of like, um, I know uh, there is actually John on this call. Uh, I use the word tokenomics, uh, as I'm sure you might have heard in the past. Uh, very passionate about those and like very novel implementations of economic structure. Uh, so that was kind of my initial, um, you know, starting point. But I think very broadly, um, you know, Web3 in general is going to change everything. Um, the very very basic um, way to visualize this is obviously having an email and password for every site you visit versus having a hardware wallet signer that gives you your. You know your profile it has your uh basically all your information logged into the new site boom like it's, it's such an ease of access uh for use itself yeah. uh and this is beyond even like a crypto uh landscape this is just solely focusing on like logging in with web3 right yeah. um so i think there's like a lot um like the future is moving towards this technology uh i do think it is still quite early uh for kind of a mass adoption maybe we're a bit ahead of ourselves and uh uh, where we are now there's lots of you know lots of learning like you said there's uh, a majority of people are still uh kind of learning and like bolstering their knowledge and i think that uh, a lot of the problems that we're all facing there's going to be a oh that's a that's a solution like it's, it's going to pop up and be like okay cool because we have all of these talented people kind of learning and building towards it yeah. Um, so yeah i think I, i'm very passionate about it for those reasons uh, and of course decentralization um a very important thing to me Um, I guess a good example is that uh, I'm in Canada, Uh, the Canadian government, uh, I believe three or four months ago, uh, maybe a bit longer, um, they actually uh, froze the bank accounts of Canadians that uh, participated in donating via crypto to uh, certain organizations. Uh, Of course, I don't necessarily agree with those organizations, but more so the fact that the government uh, would take those, uh, you know, those transactions and use them as leverage to you know, freeze the livelihood of Canadians, I think that's not okay. I think it's important that you have control of your own funds. Uh, I don't like the idea of a bank honing my funds. Uh, Be Your Own Bank is another great uh, assessment of why I kind of, uh, I think I'm so aligned with this space.
0: 100%. Completely agree. I think I was watching this guy Pomp, um, his podcast. He like heavily makes content on Bitcoin and he speaks about, you know, like all your hard-earned money, you know, when it goes to a bank, it's not like you're actually owning it which is a big like awakening for a lot of people. And I feel like still people who understand what decentralization is capable of know how much, um, like the, how much value does ownership hold. So I think um, yep. that's acceptable. Just on that note, I would love to see, ask you, how do you see the DAO ecosystem today? Um, you know, it's how has it evolved in the past six months or even when the hype caught on with the constitution DAO, how are you seeing it today on a day-to-day basis? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think the uh, the DAO ecosystem is improving. Um, you kind of noticed, um, I guess, kind of more throughout the bull market um, that the term DAO uh, didn't really mean anything in the sense that, you know, people were calling basically anything a DAO. You know if it could execute something it was being called a DAO. um so i think there was kind of this hype phase like you said maybe this was before or around the constitution DAO kind of introduction um not speaking directly to them i'm not sure how exactly they executed transactions um but i think um we're definitely improving you're seeing a lot of projects uh, be a little bit more serious about decentralization i think you know the d in DAO stands for decentralization so it's really the most important part um and i think that we're moving towards that there's still some major challenges um but generally i think it's improving um yeah
0: <laughs> and I'm, say, as- I'm, not
1: sure, I'm not sure to add to that it's, it's like yeah it's getting better um it had some challenges and i think we're moving in the right direction you'll even see that like with us uh we're working on our own governance framework uh, governance 2.0 uh it's kind of a mix of our model of reputation governance uh, so basically um, like earning your reputation, uh, you can't sell it, uh, so it doesn't have a financial backing. Combining that with kind of a token, a mission-based governance, so we have making sure that you've uh, you know applied yourself versus also owning a stake of the uh, the DAO, right? Uh, and we're noticing that while we're kind of working through that, uh, we have a lot more people than ever before, projects um, that are very interested in the model and like, okay, we want to you know we want to use this, we want to be decentralized, have things execute on chain. Um, So I think, yeah, just broadly, I guess my thought is that, like, things are moving in the right direction. Uh, I think DAOs were basically in their infancy throughout this bull run, Uh, despite us being around for a while. I think it's very obvious to us that uh, it's starting to mature. Uh, There are still improvements to be had, though.
0: I'm so excited for you to, like, to hear about mission-driven, you know, governance. I can't imagine how you guys are planning to execute it. Please do like make content. I don't know how you guys communicate with the world, but you gotta. Mm. I think it's revolutionary, yeah. right? Like for pioneers, um, you know evolving with these new techno- technologies there's so much so much mission driven in them i don't feel like people are looking at these parts they're still just looking at like you know oh my god intimidating space lots of money people are making you know like lots of scammy things are happening <laughs> but you know these real things are solving real problems and like the most amazing passion um i'd love to see you know what you guys have in the future and on that note yeah. what would you say is one of your biggest like current pain points you are facing as a, you know, community leader and a contributor, like, you know, um, what is your current pain point?
1: Yeah, I think I would say from, from the aspect of a community leader, I think, um, having to content tools that an on-chain DAO can own, uh, sorry if my mic's a bit loud. Um, but I think that, um, because of the unique way that we operate and wanting to move towards a completely on-chain nature, like the DAO speaks through the DAO, not people individually for the DAO. Um, I think we need stronger tools that DAOs can own. Uh, And I think we're starting to see that um, through some products. I think Mirror is a good example where originally it was any Web3 wallet can own this Medium, public or not Medium, of course, uh, blog. Um, But a DAO couldn't necessarily own it because they would need to interact with the contracts. And it's like, how do you even start to do that, right? Uh, so they're moving in that direction. Uh, and I think there needs to be more tools that accommodate uh, the kind of the way DAOs operate, uh, being completely on-chain. Uh, that would be the biggest pain point. I think from a contribution standpoint, that's actually a very similar thing, but it's more broad uh, instead of just community tools like Discord having centralized endpoints. Uh, you know, how does a DAO own a Discord? Um, there's kind of like this more broad, you know, how does DAO, How does a DAO operate? Like, How does a DAO pay someone in Web2? How does a DAO... Uh, you know, coordinate with another DAO, how do you write a, how do you write a contract for that, right? So there's, there's a lot of like pain points. Uh, I think we're focusing on identifying, a lot of them we're talking with, uh, you know, projects that are working towards those. We have DX Ventures, uh, which is kind of like our investment arm. Uh, basically, the goal of that is not necessarily to, to be a VC, but more so fund projects that are solving pain points for DAOs. Because uh, we think, of course, DAOs of the future, we wouldn't be working here. Um, so we think that that is a lucrative thing to move towards. Uh, so that's kind of like our approach. I think uh, the main pain points to me.
0: That's awesome, and I have another question for you. How important do you think is the process of onboarding in a DAO?
1: Yes, I think I think it's incredibly important uh, and I think there's a lot of questions uh, and it basically boils down to how a DAO operates. Uh, the way that we deal with onboarding at DxDAO uh, is we try to keep things as open as possible. Uh, you know, you can identify where you can fit in as I kind of mentioned, uh, but we run on a contributor proposal process. Uh, so typically uh, someone that's new will say, hey, I see this. This needs to be done. Uh, you know, there's no position here. Um, I identified that this work needs to happen. Um, they'll move through our onboarding process, uh, which we actually have in our documentation resource. Um, and that as effectively starts with communicating with people like, hey, uh, this is who I am, this is what I do, nice to meet you. Uh, they move on directly from there to kind of chat in the form, uh, they share a bit about their work uh, and what they want to do, and then they move to an on-chain proposal. If that's authorized, then they're effectively working for that contribution period. So that's kind of the uh, the formal way of doing things with the Excel. Uh, we are open, of course, also to um, Kind of this open pipeline where it's like hey i see you know there's some tickets in github uh, that need to be done i'm going to take care of those and then maybe say hey i did all this work uh, maybe you can give me a little bit of payment for that uh, so i think we're open to that as well that's the more open route uh, but it's of course a little less structured um, but i think that there's a lot of challenges um, typically in that onboarding process uh, and i think another way to visualize that is a lot of dows uh, that i mentioned this kind of mock governance dows um, the onboarding process really is just buying you know, $1,000 worth of token and joining a discord call. Right. And that yeah. is that good onboarding? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't do it. So maybe I, maybe I'm missing something, uh, important along the way there. Uh, yeah. but I don't think uh, financially aligning is necessarily the proper way to start with a, uh, uh onboarding process. I think it's more like a value alignment, uh, understanding what you're able to do and where that fits into the DAO. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's kind of like, Uh, It is very, very important, uh, but maybe a bit specific to each project and kind of where things are going.
0: For sure. And about tokenomics, do you think it's a good idea for a DAO to introduce tokenomics? And the reason I'm asking that is two debates, right? Everyone knows the benefits of tokenomics, how amazingly it can reward people. But the downside of it also could be that people just join a DAO to get that token and then start, you know, like um it could become extremely like a big headache where people only care about oh you know like the tokens not increasing in value like you know what are you guys doing what are you not doing you know that battle so what's your perspective on like if it's a good idea for a community to have a token
1: yeah so i think um underlying i think that Communities should have tokens. Um, I don't think uh, typically, especially if there's a, a fund, uh, like a treasury underlying, I don't think uh, there's room to operate efficiently without one. Uh, in the way that DXDAO has operated previously, uh, we launched this token with an economic claim to the underlying, uh, I believe, profits of the treasury. Uh, so the DXC token, for example, would get the profits that uh, DXDAO makes on its products. Um, so, I mean, that's like a, you know, a basic kind of tokenomics model, uh, of course. Uh, tokenomics just being a broad word for, uh, you know, the interesting economic mechanisms of uh, an individual token. Um, Yeah, I think it's it's very important uh, to have a robust system. Uh, And I think that um, a lot of uh, value for a lot of these tokens aren't really thought through uh, completely uh, in the sense that it's like, okay, let's make this token. We'll use it to fund operations. Its utility is to vote in those operations is a bit of an interesting um, you know, adage to me, it's like, okay, well, I'm buying this to vote only, it's a bit questionable, right? So like, that model is necessarily like, I think that's a perfect model to distribute to people that are doing work, right? If you're working, and you get this voting power, it's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I need to conflate these, uh, um, you know, how these decisions are made. And like, I have strong opinions, because I'm like, tight with the work. Uh, But the problem with that is that there's financial alignment with that token. So you need a buyer to be on the opposite end of that transaction. Uh, you know, it's like, am I being paid in this token just to pay myself a living wage? Am I, you know, there's a lot of questions there, I think. Sure. Uh, and that's kind of why we focus on reputation governance. It's like we recognize that people should have this like voting power, um, but it shouldn't necessarily conflate with like a financial value it's like okay you've done something meaningful this is what you're you know you have a voice now because of this right yeah. um and that's not related to you know selling the stake and then you don't have that voice anymore you know it's like if you need to pay your bills you're not negatively affecting the dow in the sense that you don't have that voting power anymore mm-hmm. uh, so we think that's like a perfect model uh we do also recognize uh, kind of on the tokenomics side cycling back to governance 2.0 um, we recognize that uh, the financial alignment of token holders is actually a very important part of the ecosystem. Uh, and just because there's a lot of problems with token governance, you know, you can buy all the tokens and just like sway to vote completely, right? Um, because there's a lot of problems doesn't mean that, uh, you know, those community members that solely participate through financial commitment do not have value and do not have, uh, you know, should not have participation in the DAO's decision-making, Right. Uh, so that's kind of why we, we've ideated governance 2.0, uh, and that's our next kind of, uh, I guess, tokenomics model. It isn't actually for our financial token DXT, but more so for uh, the way DXT is utilized. Um, where basically, you know, you have to earn this reputation, you have to back it up with the financial instrument. So I can work, uh, but in order to actually properly ex- exercise that, I need to back it up with the DXT token. Right. Uh, so that's kind of our our approach to that, and why we think it's important. And I guess utility, I guess, is more of a personal thing. It's like, you know, what can I do with this token? Why does it exist? Right
0: yeah for sure i love how thoughtfully you guys are operating in dxdao how so much like thought is given to you know your contributors whether it's tokens whether it's whatever like i think it's amazing um, keenan so super interested to know is you guys as DAO admins, how are you operating internally on a day-to-day basis? You know, from having your discussions on Discord to you know voting on Snapshot to managing your treasury, having a DAO management tool like so many different platforms for like one single task. How does your day-to-day look like as operators?
1: Operating like how we operate, I think there's a lot of uh, conflation. This is one of the the primary pain points I kind of identified earlier, even. Um, is that, like you said, there's a lot of processes uh, where even one process can be split across multiple, uh, you know, resources needed to utilize, uh, as you say, snapshot and maybe go to our form. Um, so I think that day to day, things can get a little bit uh, messy in the current state of the DAO world, uh, especially for us trying to do it right and keep everything on chain and kind of cross-referencing, keep making sure. You know, this has been said here, is it recognized on chain, uh, finding it on chain? Uh, do we need to make a proposal? Do we need to vote on the proposal? Do we need to boost the proposal? Uh, so there's a lot of questions for each one individual task, I think, uh, that need to be answered. Yeah. Um, but generally, uh, I think we're efficient, uh, mostly because we're, we're so deep in the weeds uh, that it doesn't actually hinder anything. Uh, it can just make things a little bit more confusing from an outside perspective. Um, and that, of course, is a challenge for onboarding. It's like, if what we're doing is confusing, if uh, you know, the payment process becomes something that uh, a general contributor doesn't understand, does that make it open, right? Yeah. So we're trying to solve that as well. Uh, we have contributor UX, which is actually uh, effectively HR for DAOs or people operations. Um, I think it's a team of two right now. Uh, and basically they help facilitate payments. They help facilitate, uh, you know, this is how your reputation is gonna work. This is how your, your DXD slash equity is gonna work. Um, so they've kind of easing that process uh, and making that onboarding way easier, I think.
0: That's awesome. And how are you guys doing the payment system? Are people connecting wallets? You guys are paying in like crypto or are you doing it in a web 2 format? How does that look like?
1: Yeah. So we have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have a guideline, uh, which is effectively like uh, this is what level I'm committing myself as. So I have a certain experience level. There's of course uh, some backing up information for that. Uh, And those come with associated dollar values. So it's like, okay, this level is going to be paid this much monthly on a contractual basis. Uh, So the way that actually happens is the user or community member will connect their wallet directly to our governance platform, uh, originally Alchemy um, contracts. um, And basically you'll propose uh, to the DAO the amount that you need to be paid alongside the text that says, okay, this is what I'll be focusing on in that time. So authorizing that proposal pays you for that period uh, so you get the funds. And then of course that authorizes the work. Um, So the idea is basically... uh, everything on chain, I guess, uh, to to nail the point another time. Um, But proposing those uh, individual worker contributions and the DAO is like, okay, this is a value, let me vote for this uh, positively, negatively, et cetera.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Galen. I was extremely excited to hop on to some community questions that we have waiting in the chat. Um, Let's see what we have. Yes. Um, hi Keenan love your thoughts quick question a problem with an in-depth decentralization in product Dows' slower development speed it feels like an unsaid law that decentralization is inversely promotional to operational speed how do you tackle tackle this loss of
1: pace at DX DAO? yeah that's definitely a challenging one uh, if we're talking um, you know, bumps in the road um the way that we handle the centralization definitely uh as you mentioned has that kind of inverse uh, operational speed um the way we develop code is we develop it we have to uh, of course make the release and then the community has to uh, update the ens content hash uh, so once a uh, a build is actually complete it still actually takes a little bit of time before it's live uh, so you can imagine there are some you know hiccups on where that could cause some problems you know say there's some problem with the front end and we need to update it that might actually take a six day voting period for example uh, or actually i believe four with uh with our uh, holographic consensus model um so it is definitely a challenge uh i feel like we have been working towards solving that um and the way uh, of course um is just based on our kind of operations and keeping things timelined Uh, You know, if we have to make a release, we'll kind of segment it, we'll release it in pieces so we have it out uh, the door when it needs to be out the door. Um, And I think um, kind of more on the developmental side, uh, which, of course, I can't necessarily speak to as much. Um, But there is definitely also the challenge of if you want everything to be decentralized, it imposes additional developmental time. It imposes additional, you know time and work uh, essentially to kind of uh, focus on those. Uh, And I think that's also why what we're doing is important because these things don't necessarily exist. You know, they're problems. If if we're having problems as a DAO first, then there's going to be people having these problems going forward, right? Um, So it's like identifying the problems and working towards them, solving them. Um, So even if it is more challenging for us, uh, you know, as we kind of ramp up, we think it's solving important problems and, you know, that's going to help us down the line as well on a more personal level and kind of guiding other protocols, other DAOs like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how you can, uh, you can work through these things, right?
0: For sure. Thank you so much for answering that. Um, Would you like to read out the second question by Pawan?
1: Yeah, Uh, that's Pawan here. Uh, My question is, what incentive structures can be created in a community if the DAO doesn't have its own tokens? What behavior slash engagement have you seen from contributors based on different incentive structures? Uh, So I guess referring to not having a financial token, uh, I assume, and that's kind of the way DXL was uh, around Genesis. um, And you could definitely identify uh, like operable problems. Of course, people need to be paid to necessarily uh, keep alignment uh, because time is money. Um, So I think there's a big challenge if there isn't any kind of underlying treasury or financial token um, in kind of coordinating and operating. Uh, Of course, you need dozens and dozens of things to scale. And if you don't have that underlying or funding, uh, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, I think DXLow did it as, as, I guess, innovative and uh, impactful as they could have at the time, which is that reputation model I've mentioned a few times, basically, getting rep for those contributions. And then it's basically condensing voting power to those that are actively working and like participating in the DAO. Uh, So you have these people that are voting and paying attention because they're more committed, right? Uh, And I think that kind of streamlined and and pushed forward this kind of eventual token raise. uh, And that's really what kickstarted everything uh, was kind of having that model. Uh, Of course, technically reputation is a token. It's non transferable, but it is. So maybe that doesn't completely accurately answer the question. Uh, But we think that is kind of like the novel bootstrapping uh, effect that really helped DxDao succeed to where it is today. Um, I guess uh, from the behavior slash engagement side, um, it's very clear, uh, especially in our infancy, a lot of crypto is aligned with um, with kind of like the dollar terms. uh, Unfortunate, uh, but it's a real thing. Uh, We think we have like a very strong community of people that are more focused on the tech than any dollar terms. uh, But you'll see that kind of broadly. It's like, okay, Uh, I need to be paid, Uh, this is gonna happen. Not that that isn't important, of course, uh, but uh, it's typically uh, values first, uh, knowing you're going to get compensated with the DXVOW versus, uh, you know, I need to be compensated and then showing value, right? Um, So we kind of like that approach as well.
0: Thank you so much for taking that up. Community, if you have any other questions, please feel free to drop them in the chat. That's like the exciting thing about doing these sessions live. Um, you have just a couple more minutes because we hate awkward silences. but Keenan on an <laughs> ending note, do you have any ending thoughts? Any questions you'd like to ask or like just anything you'd like to say?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the call, very, uh, excited about your, your content stream. Uh, I love seeing younger kind of products <laughs> looking beautiful um and you know uh, your announcement banners are definitely very mm-hmm. nice to look at uh so appreciate that uh, appreciate my pretty face of course <laughs> being on the uh, the banner um that's great to see uh also fantastic to be here of course uh great to be on a recorded call uh and have the opportunity to show my face again um so very appreciative of this space um and maybe i can give some final thoughts if there isn't any other questions here
0: yes and that's all our we have a phenomenal graphics team shout out to them Um, amazing at what they do I think we just send them the brief and they just do the magic so yes that's all (laughs) credits to them I believe we do not have any further questions so Kenan last question I'd like to ask you is your advice which is um, what would be one of your Not one of your what would be one piece of advice you'd give to someone um, who wants to get more familiar with the crypto slash DAO space like I said it seems very intimidating but yet people are like you know burning with a passion to learn more about the space they just don't know where to begin so
1: please yeah so I think um, I'm I'm interpreting this as like someone that is newer to crypto and or um, you know uh, a little bit more on the uh, learning side I think uh, as cliche as it is diving headfirst really is the best way um, becoming uncomfortable and kind of putting yourself in those situations really is where most of the learning will happen. Of course, you can go through resources, but more importantly, you know, finding communities that are doing things that I'm interested in. How do I join them? How do I participate in calls? How do I learn more about them? Um, it's very cliche uh, and you have to be very self-driven, I think, to succeed in this space. Uh, but that really is the way to kind of kickstart yourself is like identifying this is important to me. This is the values I want to match. This is the communities taking care of those problems let me you know see a way to kind of make myself uh with that um i think that's the most important thing
0: thank you so much yes self-driven a hundred percent yes please mm-hmm. um let's go with your ending thoughts
1: <laughs> yeah um i guess uh, maybe just some ending thoughts uh or kind of pointers to what we're doing um dxdao uh, as a fully decentralized dao uh, we're kind of trying to innovate in the DeFi space, uh, I'm going to drop here in the chat uh, our landing page where you can learn a bit more about what we are doing, Um, but namely uh, paying attention to kind of like our products, uh, you know, what we're doing. Uh, Of course, we're always welcoming to new people. If anyone's interested in, uh, you know, figuring out more about us and joining the community, we have our Discord as well. Uh, Let me just find the chat here. Perfect. Yeah, we have a, a kind of suite uh, currently uh, five products on our landing page. Uh, Swapper, our kind of flagship AMM, um, basically a Uniswap V2 fork uh, with a focus on decentralization and privacy. Uh, we have Carrot, which is a conditional token framework. Uh, basically, any condition that you can imagine, say this call having hundred participants, uh, you can record, you can reward those people based on that condition being met. Uh, so, say, $100 um, kind of gift to everyone if the, a certain amount of people join the call. Like It's a fun little novel way to distribute tokens and do things. Uh, we have OMEN, which is a prediction market platform, uh, you know, predicting certain events, uh, community knowledge. Uh, and then we have our kind of governance offering with DXGov. We're working towards governance 2.0 that I mentioned. Uh, and, of course, uh, more novel governance solutions and guilds kind of frameworks. Uh, but if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you'll have to come join us in, over in the DX style land starting with the DxDAO uh, landing page, of course, that I shared in the chat. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate the time here. Uh, it was a really great chat. I excited to see some of this content repurposed and see my beautiful face once again uh, <laughs> on the Twitter space. <laughs> yeah, but thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, being here and it was a great call.
0: Thank you so much, Keenan. Thanks for being just amazing, great energy sharing that you uh... were... DJ some time ago and um, sharing your depth of knowledge in the Tao space. Like it was a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you everyone for joining this space. Please look forward to this call recording dropping on YouTube and the highlights of it dropping on YouTube shots, TikTok and Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter and every place you can imagine. We will penetrate there. Excellent. All right guys, thank you so, so, so much. Um, Thank you so much for joining. See you guys. Have a nice week.
1: Thank you guys.